0: This is Consumed, a scrappy little podcast about life and flavor. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a food and wine writer on California's Central Coast. Season two is sponsored in part by Slow Life Magazine. Slow Life shares the happenings, stories, and personalities that bring San Luis Obispo County to life. I love writing the food column for the magazine, meeting the people behind my plate, and sharing it with readers. Check your mailbox every other month for inspiring stories about folks you want to get to know, places you want to see, and flavors you want to taste. To learn more about how you can get Slow Life delivered to your door, visit slowlifemagazine.com. I've known Brian Collins since high school, before he became Chef Brian Collins, the owner of Ember Woodfire Restaurant in Arroyo Grande. He and his wife, Harmony, have created one of the most celebrated eateries on the Central Coast, and they've done it with what I would call a quiet confidence. They are warm, mellow, and self-assured. Truly, I could not wish success on a kinder pair of people. I asked Brian about how he knew he wanted to become a chef, how it felt to walk to the back door of Chez Panisse in Berkeley and brazenly ask for a job. What was it like to have a one-year-old baby while attending culinary school? Why did he decide to come back to Arroyo Grande from the Bay Area? What surprised him about becoming a business owner? And is Samin Nosrat, who worked with Brian at Chez Panisse, really as nice as she seems on TV? To find out, you'll just have to listen. Here's Brian Collins. Brian,
1: how are you? I'm good, hello, how are you? Good,
0: good. I always ask people,
1: um, or I always wanna ask people, what did you have for breakfast?
0: Do you eat breakfast?
1: I, yeah. Wow. I wasn't ready for that question. No, um, I know you weren't. <laughs> Harmony made me a fried egg sandwich. It was delicious. Aww. Simple. Does but, she yeah. cook
0: for you? Yeah, she does. Pretty often. Yeah.
1: Um, not all the time. You know, the restaurant keeps us pretty busy. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have uh, food at home from time to time and go out to <laughs> dinner often as well, too. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Where do you like to go?
1: Oh, man, we kind of have our little network of places that we like to go to yeah. um, right there in town. Uh, we certainly like the spoon trade down mm-hmm. the street from us. Um, umis, fun little. I love Umis. Yeah, little, you know, mom and pop. Patio. Restaurant. Patio's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Young, who's been, you know, I think they've been there for 20 plus years now. Mm-hmm. Awesome food. Um, for lunch, we like the Ventana. Yeah, have a shrimp cocktail and hang out and look at the ocean for a while so kind of depends on the day and what we're up to and where we're at yeah yeah. the
0: only place the only thing i've ever had at ventana i'm so bad about that i would Mm -hmm. love to go more it's such a beautiful spot Mm -hmm. i've only ever had the nachos i think (laughs) (laughs) i think we went we were like let's do something different and we sat at the bar because it was just packed and we ate nachos together and we're like well Okay, okay, we're going to go. And yeah. I, maybe we had like a movie to catch or something, but I need to give that more, yeah. more time. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Give it another shot.
1: <laughs> yeah. And at
0: home, do you... You get this question
1: all the time, sure. i sure.
0: Do you cook a lot at home?
1: I don't as much anymore. And it sounds crazy since opening the restaurant. Um, you know, it's less and less. Um, so it's I guess it's more of a special occasion when I cook at home. Um, you know, my day is basically, you know, thinking about food for the restaurant um what's going to be on you know how how are things on the menu right now going how are things for the next month's menu going to be Mm -hmm. um and so i think you know that's why i like to dine out often as i can and you know not only in our own hometown but if i'm ever out of town i search out places to go and Mm -hmm. kind of get new uh flavors and experiences and um So, yeah, cooking at home, uh, not as much anymore. We keep it pretty simple. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm always curious where people shop. And the reason I ask is you can feel totally free if you shop somewhere where you're like, I would never (laughs) admit this. When I was editor of Edible Slow Magazine, Mm -hmm. I was shopping at Food for Less, which is like, I'm going to admit, I shop there a fair amount. As Since my kids have gotten older and things have gotten more complex, it's like, yeah, I'm just going there. But I remember a reader of the magazine recognized me and said, um, wow, I'm surprised to see you here. And the shame factor, it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I know I should be at the <laughs> farmer's market or the co-op yeah. or something like that. So do you shop anywhere like that?
1: <laughs> um yeah, I mean, you know, hey, we're all regular people, so it's like, <laughs> um, you know, we live in Arroyo Grande, um, but uh, the, closer to Pismo, so California Fresh. Yeah, I often. love those guys. Yeah, that's a great store. They're doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. You know, we hit Trader Joe's for sure. And then uh, we shop at Ember Restaurant a lot because it's oh. got the freshest produce around and um, it's all right there. So, hey, that's... why not? And shopping from Ember is kind of like shopping from... Ruti's Farm, uh, Bautista Farm, you know, the the Arroyo Grande Farmer's Market. It's all in one spot. It's all in one spot. It's pretty easy. That's so funny. going there anyway. Yeah, Yeah. right
0: on. That's so great. (laughs) Um, Well, I've known you a long time, but not closely. I Mm -hmm. mean, we were never super tight. But um, you and Harmony seem like two people who are not necessarily looking for the spotlight. Is that true? Mm Mm-hmm. You guys seem like folks who are perfectly happy being behind the scenes. Sure. Am I wrong about that?
1: Not at all. I think that, you know, we're both, um, we're both like, I think, naturally shy people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's been, uh, that's been one of the more difficult things for me. Owning a restaurant is, uh, you know, it's a very, very public thing. And, um, you know, I get nervous talking to people. Like, stepping outside of the kitchen for me was like, oh my god I'm in this unfamiliar zone of the dining room and what do I do whereas the kitchen you know I know all the guys were hanging out having a good time cooking food um so I think that it is important absolutely to get to know your guests at the table and so um you know been working on doing that more often and um Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it now but yeah we're we're pretty mellow I think that um you know either one of us we we like to uh you know, we're on the quieter side.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I asked you that while you were on a mic being recorded in my house and drinking tea out of my grandma's China right now, which I just love. It's like the tiniest Wonderful. cup ever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we're packing up our kitchen and yeah. I had no mugs left. Um, well so how, how did this all start? Because when I knew you in high school, I think you played water polo. Is that right?
1: I did swimming and water polo, um, all four years. And I, even before that, I was in, you know, into athletics, uh, swimming again all through my life and mm-hmm. baseball. And, and, uh, you know, I played a little bit of music in high school. I still play some music just for my own entertainment. Um, and, uh, So it all started really. I got a a summer job in high school um, in in Pismo at a restaurant, and I just kind of. I know I I just said I was uh, shy a moment ago, but I just enjoyed kind of like the the happenings of a restaurant, people coming and going, and it it was different every day. And you know, you meet some characters, both working at the restaurant and people and guests coming in. And I I just kind of thought it was cool that it was like this. Social thing in in a in a positive manner. People are going in there to eat, enjoy themselves, have a good time. A lot of people are on vacation, um, and I I thought what was cool is like you know people are like oh that was really good. I enjoyed it. And um, at that time, you know, the Food Network was kind of in its infancy, mm-hmm. and so I feel like uh, I was watching some of those TV shows and and getting into it and. Um, And, uh, you know, one day it just, uh, it struck me like, yeah, I want to be a chef. And this was after, you know, high school. I was probably, you know, 17 or 18 years old Mm -hmm. at the time. And um, it just clicked. And so I... Thought about going to culinary school and then, you know, maybe finding a job before then because they had required a certain amount of experience in a before proper school. restaurant. Yeah, really. Turns out all you needed was the money to get in. You know, it didn't. You I, that's zero, not the first time I've heard yes. that. You could yeah. have zero experience as long as the check will clear the bank, you're good to go. Oh, um, yeah. But I did that, um, and. It was cool. You know, I I watched a a show, and it was Jacques Pepin. He's an old French chef, and, you know, he used to have his TV show with Julia Child Mm -hmm. back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. And, um, you know, he is a true chef's chef, and I think what stood out about him versus the other chefs I had seen on TV... And, you know, there was no restaurants really to go to in the area to experience, like... A true chef level kind of cuisine. Yeah. So I found like that classic
0: French, classic French,
1: yeah. you know. So it was all just kind of imaginary, except for what I'd see on these shows. So they, the premise of the show was, you know, they brought him out and they gave him a blind basket, which is, you know, here's a surprise in, ingredients, make mm. a four course menu, and you know, on a twenty two minute television show, he completely destroyed it. Man, he made this amazing meal that was like, it was so creative, and he, you know, he's in. Of that generation where nothing goes to waste so all the little trims and scraps he made like a stock out of and then strained reduced it mounted some butter into it poured it over the main ingredient and it was just like and his knife skills were just impeccable mm-hmm. you know like he, he was like a, a precision machine so i thought that's what i want to do when i really saw him you know, p- using all of his skills and you could tell that he had just spent, you know, tens of thousands of hours in a kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, honing his craft. He was a master. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's when I really started, you know, applying, I applied to culinary school and then, so Harmony and I, uh, moved to San Francisco mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, in the year 2000, that's when I went to the California Culinary Academy. Okay. So how old were you at that point? Gosh, at that point, I guess I was 23, 22 or three. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a young baby with us. I was going to say, did you have <laughs> yeah. Emma yet? Yeah. Emma was a year old. So yeah, we moved. Uh, we all moved. We lived in this, you know, perfect little beach house in Shell Beach. And it was like one house away from the beach itself. And we, and then we moved to the East Bay under the the BART tracks. And I was oh, like, sorry, family. <laughs> Hang in there with me for a little bit, please. And, oh. um, but, you know, they... Obviously, supported me like you know mm-hmm. every step of the way, and it was amazing.
0: Did you pick the East Bay uh because it was cheaper?
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, also that we had a, a baby too, and so um, I kind of wanted well, budget was first and foremost, you know, we were just absolutely poor, poor, poor. And so, um, that was kind of the main factor. We had a dog too. And, you know, trying Holy to rent cow. a place with a little dog. And so <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, all, all the things. So, um, and we wanted, uh, somewhere that would be like neighborhoody y yeah. and near parks and, and things like that. So we lived in El Cerrito, which is, uh, I don't know, probably about 10 minutes, five minutes away from Berkeley, mm-hmm. right there in the East Bay. And I take the BART train to school every day and That was an adventure in itself, and uh, yeah, you're bringing back memories. (laughs) I loved it though. I mean, I had so much fun going to school because it was totally what I wanted to do. Uh, And after high school, I tried community college for a while, and I just, I just wasn't into it because it was just kind of studying more of the same stuff that I really didn't enjoy in Mm -hmm. high school. And what was great about going to the school was every single day, every moment was like, yeah, I love this. I want to learn everything you're telling me right now, and um, and so I got a, I got a big kick out of it.
0: So you were cool then with taking the, I know that trip, um, yeah. from the East Bay into oh. the city. We lived, my husband loves trees. He loves outdoor. He does not belong in a city. And when we got married, we were in San Francisco and he was out at the beach actually. Mm-hmm. Cause he's like, at least that gives me some sense of being, you know, mm-hmm. closer to um, the rest of the world. And. So when we got married, he left that apartment and he really wanted to go somewhere with trees. So we went to Berkeley. Yeah. And um, that lasted four months because <laughs> we were next door to what I think was very obviously a drug dealer. Um, oh, no. <laughs> which is funny because that area it was on 4th Street and now oh, that yeah. area is so very blown nice. up. Yeah. Um, it's got like a restoration hardware there and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah that's not, <laughs> not... <laughs> what was happening. Um, but yeah, we, uh, that commute was killer. I think if I had loved what I was doing in the city, I yeah. would have forgotten about the fact that I was riding in an hour in the dark and riding home an hour in the dark. Yep. I mean, you got to love what you're doing to be able to do that.
1: You do. It's, uh, yeah, it's, so you get, I, I got on the train at the second to last stop and, um, you know it was empty and then basically by the time we went under the bay the thing was like standing room only mm-hmm. so I had to find some things for myself to do you know you can only listen to I listened to a ton of music of course mm-hmm. um, read a ton of cookbooks did you know homework for school um, you name it one time actually on the way back i caught the last train back home and fell asleep and ended up in richmond at like midnight (laughs) which if you've ever been in richmond at midnight it's not a not a good thing but um so and just i mean you know talk about the funny people you see on bart so yeah i know you could you could fill a book with all of that (laughs) um
0: so you i mean i think a lot of people know the trajectory of your story after Culinary school. Well, did you do an externship somewhere?
1: I did. So um, when I moved up there, uh, my, uh, I got a cookbook from my mom. It was a Chez Panisse menu cookbook. And so I, the cookbook was you know a little paperback, and I started reading it. It was the first cookbook I owned with no pictures in it whatsoever yeah. and had never heard of the restaurant, had never heard of the chef, anything about it. But um, reading, and it was more than just recipes, you know, there were um, there was a lot about just food, the philosophy of food and eating and agriculture, community. And so, you know, all these ideas were super uh, interesting to me and, and fresh and brand new. Um, and I looked up on uh, the back of the book the address of the restaurant, and I was like, okay, this is in Berkeley, and um, it's gonna be you know, near where I'm living. And, uh, so after we got settled in, I went to the back door of the kitchen and I asked if I could do my, I found the chef and asked if I could do my internship. Were
0: you terrified?
1: Um, I was absolutely terrified, but, um, it was... It was kind of a thing where I'm like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I really want to do this. And like this place just seems so interesting to me Mm -hmm. that um, the way that, you know, they're describing how to cook this food and this recipe and these little tiny details where normally a a cookbook is going to be like, cook three minutes, do this. And very like kind of mathematical and cold. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, the chef walked back into the office to see if there was room on the schedule. He walked so fast. I almost had to run to keep up with him. And And, and inside this kitchen, it was like, I, looking back on it, I was like, man, what a pain in the ass. I shouldn't even have been there, you know, in the way. But like, but I just embrace, did it. Yeah. I did it. So yeah. he looked at the calendar. He said, you're in luck. We have one internship left for the year. Come in on Tuesday and you can try out for it. And then... Try th- out? What try does that out, mean? An ad- audition for an internship to work for free. No. So talk about... Then I became very nervous. And so, you know, I had like five days to think about what am I going to (laughs) do?
0: Did they ask you to make something
1: or just to like follow along? They're pretty much like, you know, it's a very entry level position. So it's like, here's, you know, 100 pounds of onions to peel and carrots and potatoes and garlic and... um, You know, we'll let you slice this and that. They're basically making sure that I'm not gonna cut a finger off, Mm. totally get in the way, totally suck. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I did the intern, or I I auditioned for it, and uh, I did well enough for them to hire me on. And and uh, that's where I did my internship after school. So three months, and it was incredible. You know, walking into that kitchen is uh, for me just the. And it's funny because there, I've never been into any other kitchen like that until recently. A lot of kitchens were kind of just, you know, hidden in the back and, you know, fluorescent lights and this and this. Every, and at Chez Panisse, everything's handmade. And like, you know, the metalwork, the, the, the sconces on the wall in the kitchen, the lights overhead are, you know, handmade copper. It's so warm in it's there. It's just, it, it's beautiful. Yeah. and um so the kitchen was beautiful itself and just the way that everybody was quietly working away, staying busy, the Mm -hmm. smells were really incredible. Mm -hmm. You can tell that, you know, everything it's a cross between like, you know, fresh chicken stock and onions and garlic, and then also like puff pastry being baked and like Mm -hmm. fresh produce too. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, I knew right away that it was like somewhere that i absolutely, it solidified it just by smell. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah, this is where I want to be. Like, check all this stuff out. You know, what's going on? So cool. I have
0: no doubt that everybody in there is technically incredible. Mm -hmm. But one thing I love about there, and I'll admit, I've only ever eaten in the cafe, which is, is that Mm -hmm. downstairs or upstairs? Upstairs. Upstairs for lunch. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite things to do is Mm -hmm. skip the really, like, you know, high-end expensive dinner experience and go to the, cafe. Um, that's one, or, you know, for all restaurants, when we travel, we Mm -hmm. tend to do the lunch thing and, Mm -hmm. and then we kind of go all out and we get to experience lots of parts of it, but Mm -hmm. that's what we did at Chez Panisse. And, um, yeah, I, I have no doubt that people could do any number of things, but I think the hallmark of eating there from that one time I saw is it's very effortless. It's Mm -hmm. not like hand wringing, super, um, like technically careful and, you know, scared to get it wrong. It's very relaxed. But at the same time, the food is just so beautifully plated, so beautifully sourced. Mm -hmm. Am I, am I right in that?
1: I think you are. I mean, from the guest point of view, it certainly is like that. Um, and then on the other side of it, you have it's I would I'd say it's kind of like when you see somebody get up and do their routine on a stage or something mm-hmm. that that it it seems like that it seems effortless. It seems like they just have it down pat. They have it down that way because they've been rehearsing. And and, you know, there's all that work behind the scenes. So the ingredients, like you said, perfect ingredients delivered, you know, twice a day daily. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a farm that grows just for the restaurant, plus they hit all the farmers markets in the East Bay. Um, and the the food is simple, really, when you're in it, as a cook there, you don't know what you're going to make um, before you even get to the restaurant, because they change their menu twice a day, every single day. Oh, my so, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it was awesome. I yeah. mean, like, you're kind of like, this is cool, I'm going to see what I get to make, and after a couple of years, you kind of start to guess, like, I wonder what I'm going to... I think I'm going to make this today. And mm-hmm. You're usually never right, but... um, <laughs> But you yeah. have to roll with it. You got to roll with it. So yeah, just each dish, a few ingredients, um, all of them impeccably fresh. So you don't have to do much with it. You want them to shine. And, you know, sometimes I think the restaurant gets knocked for that occasionally because the food is so simple. But I think they just realized so long ago that it doesn't need to be, you know, overly fussy or complicated. Mm-hmm. It can be what it is. And that's, um, I think it takes guts too, to just cook so simply like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have to be technically proficient. You can't overcook the salmon whatsoever. It has to be just absolutely spot on. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, the, the cafe is great. That's where I worked, you know, 99% of the time every now and then would kind of fill in downstairs at the restaurant. But, um, again, I liked it because it was just like, you know, you had families and you Mm -hmm. had just, normal people and and celebrities too come in and just a whole gamut of people coming in to experience the restaurant. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember when we walked in, it was the craziest thing. Do you, you have to walk in downstairs and go upstairs, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So when we were walking in, there was this area, I don't know if it was like the waiting area or what, but Alice Waters was sitting there being filmed for something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just nuts to be, I was just really coming into caring about food. Mm. I really didn't. Um, even when we lived in Berkeley, I really didn't. It was yeah. when, only when we went back to visit. Um, and it was so crazy to see her. She was kind of like a hero to me at that time. And um, yeah, we were quietly walking past her so as not to you know, bug anybody, but it was pretty <laughs> incredible. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you get the question a lot. I mean, yeah. you worked in the kitchen right around the same time as a lot of different people who... And like you, have become quite something. Did you ever know um, Samin? Absolutely. We worked side
1: by side. I figured yeah, for, you did. Um, I guess we were there together. I think she was only there for maybe two years or so, mm-hmm. and she moved on to... One of the chefs left and opened a restaurant on 4th Street, and yeah. um, she went with him. But she was great, and she, I'll tell you this. Uh, her her success, it couldn't happen to a nicer person, and mm. I mean that honest to God. She was... Uh, what you see on her TV show, that is her 100% if you're hanging out in her this living room right now with her. There's yeah. no actor or anything like that. She's great. We bumped into her last time we went to Berkeley um, just maybe, you know, six months ago or something like that. She stood up and gave me a hug, and I was like, wow, it's good to see you. And she's great. To, she was great to work with. So, yeah, uh, worked with Samin, and then there's a, a few other people that kind of left to open their own restaurants in mm-hmm. Oakland and up in portland and we all work together and it's pretty cool to see how we're all branching out doing our own things and that restaurant's really good i think you know it kind of attracts people like that and Mm -hmm. it also cultivates that um uh, it brings out the best in people Mm -hmm. people that aren't necessarily driven don't tend to kind of stick around there
0: i think yeah Yeah, they have Um, to, well, they have to be the kind of person who would walk up to the back door and say, can I have an internship here? (laughs) You got to be brave to do that for sure. (laughs) I want to take a minute to share about one of my supporters on the Consumed podcast. If you're listening, you're probably a fan of good food and good people, right? Well, coming soon, the San Luis Obispo Public Market at Long Bonetti Ranch will bring fresh flavor, fresh faces, and fresh inspiration to the Central Coast. Let me tell you, this is going to be a very big deal. Long Bonetti Ranch was established in 1880 and is named after George W. Long and Florino Bonetti. The ranch housed horses and dairy cows and produced grain, veggies, and flowers. The slow public market will honor the Long and Bonetti family legacies with local purveyors of different foods and ingredients, ranging from a brewery and a cheese shop to tacos, coffee, ice cream, juices, spirits, and my personal obsession... Bow Buns. There's lots more to come, and it's all coming very soon. To learn more about the Slow Public Market, or for information on becoming a merchant there, visit slowpublicmarket.com. When you were a kid... I mean, do I remember right that you moved to the central coast after you had grown up somewhere else or spent your childhood somewhere else?
1: So yeah, I was born in Sacramento and, um, I moved to the central coast in the summer in between seventh and eighth grade. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't awkward at all to start eighth grade and not know any (laughs) single person (laughs) in the school. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, but when I I got to spend the summer here before that, and I just fell in love with this area and, um, you know it's sacramento going back now as an adult is cool but as a kid yeah, it was meh, not yeah. not the greatest but um but here the the weather the beach the just the vibe you mm-hmm. know the slow life and everything like that mm-hmm. and, i and i think like so many other people in the area you just get hooked on it and you appreciate like just that that's happening and going yeah. on so yeah yeah
0: um did you how many years did you spend away from here
1: um, I was up in the Bay for about six and a half years. Okay. Yeah.
0: And why did you decide to come back here?
1: Well, uh, I guess family. So after doing, um, that time at Chez Panisse, I felt, you know, like I had a very solid foundation in, you know, um, in cooking. Was there more to learn from other chefs? Absolutely. You can never stop learning. But at that time, Emma had just finished kindergarten. Emma's our daughter, Who's now in uh her third year of college and um And where is she going? She goes to USC. Oh my yeah. gosh. And no, I did not bribe anybody to get her in. She's an <laughs> amazingly <laughs> <laughs> talented, hardworking, smart kid. What so is she studying? She's studying uh psychology.
0: Wow. Does yeah. she know maybe what field she wants to go into? Does she oh, want to be she, a therapist she,
1: or she's not quite sure yet, you know? She's uh trying out several different things and hmm. she's she's doing great. She's doing fantastic at school but um mm. you know back then it's kind of like you know we want to maybe start her in first grade and, and go somewhere else we originally thought we were going to be in the bay area for a year or two just for school and um so yeah that's we decided to move back at that time and opening a restaurant was definitely a, a, a goal of mine someday to do that right but um i still knew that i needed to kind of come back to this area and Apply what I had learned at Chez Panisse and make it adaptable to the Central Coast because I think that there's things that work in a larger city that don't necessarily work here on the Central yeah, Coast right. and vice versa. So, um, can you yeah. think
0: of something that doesn't translate to here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, like you have to be a little more down to earth here i feel Mm -hmm. like and and your approach to uh serving your customers we have we just have less people here honestly and so some restaurants get a little too high and mighty Mm -hmm. in my opinion and um you know where what i like about the central coast is that it is more casual a little bit more relaxed People call sometimes. Do you have a dress code? And I'm like, no. I mean, you know, <laughs> just come on in. <laughs> like, like wear a shirt. Somewhat, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. <laughs> no jacket or tire required. So no. Um, and then just to kind of, I wanted to work in the area just to see, you know, what people were. I felt like something like Chez Panisse was missing, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, there was nothing like that per se, but um. I just kind of wanted to work in the area. I, so my first job back, I worked at Windows on the Water in Morro Bay. Oh. And yeah, I was there for about a year.
0: What'd you I, do there?
1: Uh, I was a sous chef. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, I enjoyed it and it was cool. Morro Bay is awesome town. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lived in Arroyo Grande. It was a little bit of a, a drive and, and, uh, the Dolphin Bay was opening. And so I applied there to be the sous chef, um, under Evan Treadwell, Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, and
0: at Windows, were you with uh, Pandy? I was with Pandy at that time. I'm trying to get her on here. Yeah. She's doing something right now out in Creston, I think, yes. right? Have you yeah. been there? I haven't, no. I'm but I... interested, really interested. It just sounds unique to me. She's got like a cowboy bar, essentially, and she's serving kind of classic, I don't know, standard Central Coast, like barbecue and things like that. But she's putting the spin on it. It just sounds really cool. So
1: she's, I mean, and Pandy was like kind of a, a great introduction for me. Um, you know, I, I learned some things from Pandy, absolutely, that um, I apply to my restaurant now. And I think that she was good. Like I said, you know, you can't be like too hoity toity of a mm-hmm. restaurant around here. And I think that the food that she cooks is really delicious. and foremost and it's very approachable and understandable for guests Mm -hmm. and so that's like you know something that i use now and um so my time there was was awesome really enjoyed it and uh and i wanted something new you know Mm -hmm. keep learning and so i uh, applied at the dolphin bay and worked with evan for about three years and i was on the opening crew there and so i'd never really opened um, a brand new restaurant and a hotel before, mm. and, um, you know, all the challenges and the the cool things that came along with that. We did a James Beard dinner. That was pretty fun. Wait, what
0: does that mean, a James Beard dinner? So James
1: Beard, the James Beard Foundation is in uh, New York, and it's, you know, basically it, it's, it, it honors um, culinary traditions. Mm-hmm. So if you win a James Beard award for your cookbook, per se, you know, it's like, at yeah, the very high achievement so mm-hmm. they do dinners there's a james beard house back east that they do dinners at all the time you know all the top chefs in the, the country go there and then they take the show on the road too and so oh, evan was able to get them to the dolphin bay and that was really cool so it was like this awesome you know seven course dinner mm-hmm. all the local wines paired with uh with the meal at that time and pretty big achievement for, um, totally for, uh, you know, cooks and, and chefs on the central coast. So that yeah. was a cool thing to be a part of. And, um, you know, that had kind of run its course and I knew that, um, I had wanted to own a free or work more in like freestanding restaurants versus being in a resort a or a hotel.
0: Yeah.
1: And mostly just kind of wanted to get back to my roots. And I feel like my roots is like that shape Panisse, where the menu is from scratch mm-hmm. and it's you know, changes often and it cooks with the season and a menu that, you know, when the peaches aren't available at the farmer's market, then they should not be available on Mm -hmm. your menu. Mm -hmm. You can get them from Argentina or whatever, but they're not going to be any good. So um, I had heard about uh, a restaurant down in Los Alamos at that time. And that's how, you know, when it's a good restaurant is when you kind of hear about it from one person. And Mm -hmm. then you hear about it from somebody else and you're like, okay, I need to check this place yeah. out. And they were looking for, uh, a chef to run the kitchen there. And, uh, I went and, uh, it was, um, full of life flatbread in Los Alamos. And I met the owner of Clark and, um, it was just, uh, talking with him. I think the interview was like three hours It was the craziest, longest oh, interview. And like, he's so, lovely. yeah. And, I, and, and, uh, just talking about food. And it was nice to just talk, um, just about food Mm -hmm. and about restaurants and about dining and not about, you know, a spa service or a pool service or anything (laughs) like that. And so I think immediately we related on a lot of different levels. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he had an interesting past and he had kind of like come into the food thing with, uh, from a source of just pure joy and inspiration of that. Um, and so He had built this really special restaurant. And at that time, it was just open Friday and Saturday nights.
0: And it was kind of the only thing happening on the strip there.
1: At that time, it was him, Quackenbush, which isn't there anymore. Now Mm -hmm. it's um, Pico. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. Charlie's Burger, of course, Mm -hmm. was there. And so (laughs) we changed the menu every week. And that was pretty cool. And it wasn't a terribly large menu or anything, but it was 100% based from shopping at the farmer's market and what was growing at or, you know, and from local, uh, uh, ranches and, mm-hmm. and the fisheries.
0: Are you still living in AG at this I point? still live in AG.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, a 35, 40 minute drive each way, but I don't mind if, you know, I don't mind the commute if where I'm going, I love doing I think what I do. I we're seeing a theme here. <laughs> yeah. Commute I'll travel for food. Yeah. yeah right. Um, and uh, I'm not into that as much anymore. So I love living by the restaurant. <laughs> that's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and so working there was just really cool. And then I, that's when I kind of got more introduced into wine. And so um, the, the wine makers of that region would come in to dinner all the time. And so I was meeting these really interesting men and women, um, learning a lot about wine, learning a ton about food, and like kind of got a chance to start like like coming up with my own style of cuisine. Mm -hmm. Whereas before when you're a sous chef, you're still, you're executing your chef's vision on his food. And you know, when you're out on your own, it's a little scarier, you know, it's like, here you go, this better work. And if it doesn't, you know, um, and so it was cool to kind of, uh, hone in, hone my craft, develop a style. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and still in mind was that restaurant someday. Mm -hmm. And, um, and and flatbread was just great. And it was just like, okay, man, get the juices flowing again. And yeah. I, and it was really important. And, and he was
0: open to you testing things out too. It sounds like, yeah,
1: I think that, um, you know, in the beginning, it took some time to, to build up a little to the trust, yeah. which is totally understandable. And, um, and then, you know, he was, um, very much like go for it. Once that was established, he gave me pretty much free reign to do what I wanted. And, um, And he's also one of those rare owners that will be, he won't flinch at the price of an ingredient because Mm -hmm. he understands that high quality is just going to cost more. Yeah. And so that was very refreshing too. Um,
0: He's such an interesting man, too. Yeah. I could see, I don't know, working in the kitchen, but I could see it just being a constant education, not in just food, but in lots of things. Mm-hmm. He's interested in a lot of things
1: and a curious person. It, very much so. And his background is in the record industry. and so It is? Yeah.
0: Was he an executive or something? Or is yeah. he a musician? vice
1: president of marketing for Capitol Records. Get yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, totally. So I learned uh, the important role that music in a restaurant plays. And so, you know, it, it what it has in common with Ember, there's a open kitchen. Mm-hmm. Chez Panisse had the open kitchen. At Chapinese it was like a lot of Django Reinhardt kind of gypsy jazz playing mm-hmm. all the time. And then at Flatbread, he kind of would come up with his own playlists. And it was just cool music. And yeah. it totally vibed with the setting. Mm. And with you know if like it started to get busier he'd like kind of change it a little bit and like <laughs> he's a this dj a, it's an important lesson though i yeah. mean like you could kind of look out there and people are like kind of tapping their foot a little bit and you're yeah. like okay and so this is like another lesson to learn that mm-hmm. music and food really and so that's something i do at ember you know if we we pick a playlist and it kind of starts off mellow but the music's a little too kind of rah 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 we tone i tone it down a little bit yeah. and if it starts to get busy you know so um all the little things going to a restaurant. But yeah. um,
0: wait, real s- quick side note. I worked at Boo Boo Records for a time. Oh, cool. <laughs> when I was very confused about what I was supposed to be doing. And they were so kind. They welcomed me with open arms. And it was ultimately how I met my husband. And. It's just a great, I mean, it was only, I think, nine months of my life, but it changed a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the important things, especially in a record store. And this is before there's, you know, streaming music services. I remember Napster was just kind of coming on and it was <laughs> terrifying everybody. Yeah. But playing music in a record store, you have to do the same thing. You have to kind of see what the vibe is. And I remember our owner would come through. Sometimes we'd be playing something that we all on staff really loved, but it was like grating on customers' nerves and he would come by and he'd give us the eye and we'd change it. But I learned a lot about kind of pairing. Yeah. It, it's another, it's like, you know, wine, food, beer, food, whatever, and company. I think who you keep company with when you eat. The music is just another element mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Yeah, I think, and it's, um, it's funny because the owner kind of, you know, you have your vision of like what, you can close your eyes and you can imagine it. And uh, yeah, have that one little things off the music or, yeah. There's a difference. They'll speak up and say, like, let's maybe change
0: that. Yeah, right. Well, and I, th- I think there's a difference. You love music, it sounds like. And yeah. there's a difference between what you put. On your headphones to get deep into and what works for an ambiance of a place. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so Django Reinhardt actually is like my go-to if we have any kind of get-together here. It's like mindless, but still really great and kind of vintage. And I don't know, that's a great thing to put on for sure. Yeah, something with some soul to it. We almost actually, I I really vied for naming (laughs) our son Django. And everybody around us was like... "Mm." Uh. Nope, that's, that's not a good idea, but I'm still kind of like, oh, that could have been really great. So, so you're at Flatbread and then was that, I mean, you're talking about the idea of fomenting for Ember and uh-huh. is that where it was born when you were there?
1: Um, I think it was born really when I decided to be a chef, you mm-hmm. know, and um, any chef's journey, it's like you're, you're learning from people, you're learning about yourself and, you know, the even kind of back then, I started a little folder, which I have somewhere, like, you know, of the cafe that I wanted to open someday. And um, so all the, you know, when a chef owner opens his or her first restaurant, it really is such like a personal thing to them because it's basically, you know, everything that you've worked and sacrificed for. And then it's like, here, come check it out. Mm-hmm. Hope you, really hope you like it, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and so that's, I guess that is where I was kind of like, I felt ready at my, my the most ready in my life to open a restaurant was after working at Flat Red for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, got the courage to kind of do it because it's a huge financial investment. It's mm-hmm. a huge time investment, mental, mental, yeah. physical Um, and, uh, you know, the, the place that we chose, people thought we were absolutely insane.
0: I remember that building kind of being (laughs) cursed.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was. And growing up there, you know, it was a pet store, a hobby shop. Um, you name it, there was actually a live monkey that lived in the back (laughs) and only locals know that. So it's kind of people, if I tell them that they're like, Oh yeah, I remember that monkey. Was it like illegal? I don't it think had so. To I mean, you we're talking okay. like 92, 93, something like that. So I don't know. Oh, my
0: gosh. The yeah. Live Monkey building. There yeah. are a lot of buildings. I think I've shared on this <laughs> podcast before. There are buildings where it's like nothing's ever going to make it there.
1: But you yeah. guys did. We made it work. I think that. Uh, so going in, it was. Um, and, you know, funnily enough, we knew the the owner of the building, uh, the street I grew up on um, in Arroyo Grande. He lived on the street, so my parents knew each other, so there was that relationship going in, and he knew things kind of like came and went, and so he was totally willing to uh, put up a bunch of his own money, you know, to to fix his building up and to update it to help our chances of success, Mm -hmm. which he didn't have to do whatsoever, and so I think that that was another... Positive thing that went our way in the opening of the restaurant. So we picked the location just because I think that, you know, number one, it was available. Number two, it was affordable. Yeah. Uh, you know, and number three, it was kind of in a part of town where there wasn't really much going on. Right. Um, it had a parking lot. Um, and we we were able to kind of like do whatever the hell we wanted on the inside. Yeah. And so walking through, you know, you had to get creative with your vision like we're gonna have to take that entire room out you know this whole room out you know the the bars coming out we're gonna move it over here so they were gonna put the kitchen here
0: was it already set up for it did it already have kitchen like appliances Um, and things like that in there
1: yes and no they didn't uh, there was actually no gas run into Mm -hmm. the building so we had to run gas lines there was some equipment there It was all run on electric Hmm. And we're talking like plug-in griddles and like waffle irons okay. and things like that. So it was, there was no, we basically, so my father and I built a restaurant along with, uh, some, some friends, um, Gary Odbert, uh, Rick B, Ricky Odbert's father of Six Test Kitchen.
0: Who has a ton of energy. I've met him energy. before. He's, He's awesome. so
1: cute. Hello. And, uh, you know, my dad, um, I told you before the interview, you know, he does a little bit of everything. So he's a plumber by trade, but he could do carpentry, um, you know, metalwork, you name it. And so I had never done that. And it was cool to not only work with my dad, that was really something I'll always treasure, but to like kind of learn off of him some new skills. Mm -hmm. So we went in there, we spent probably the first six weeks just gutting the place, completely gutting it, stripping it down to like nothing. And then we, you know, we had to socket concrete put in um, you know plumbing drains we had to put in ventilation systems so Mm. everything in there you know I was there every part of the way building it and it was cool to do first Mm. thing we put in was that wood burning oven we put it all the way back in the corner like that and basically built the restaurant around that Mm. and so um so yeah it took about five months something like that working six days a week seven days a week and uh it was cool yeah it (laughs) is
0: cool um, what is Harmony's role at the restaurant? Because she has a job, oh, yeah. doesn't she? Absolutely. Yeah, I thought so. Is she yeah. full-time?
1: Harmony is full-time. Harmony's a registered nurse by mm-hmm. trade. Um, and so when the restaurant opened, she was working full-time as a nurse at the hospital at uh, Marion in Santa Maria. So, you know, those are 12-and-a-half-hour shifts. Oh, no gross. joke. And I could uh-huh. not do that job. That it's uh, To all the nurses out there, man, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, and so she was doing that, um, but now she's with the restaurant full time. So oh, Harmony and is. I, um, uh, when she came over, we acted basically as like co-general managers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's a ton to do. So now she, uh, Harmony does the, the payroll. Um, she did scheduling, um, training. She worked the f- floor and just kind of pitched in where needed to mm-hmm. be, which is a super important job at the restaurant. Um And she, you know, she just really keeps everything going. Mm. And uh, she's absolutely my rock. And I think uh, without her, I would never be able to do what I do. Mm. And, uh, she, you know, she's the VIP. She's the real boss of the restaurant. So I think <laughs> of you as kind of, a team. It's a team, You've yeah. You've been together <laughs> so
0: long, too. I mean, yes. you're a team.
1: Yeah, we've been married for 21 years, so oh we've been together Lord. for a while. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It <laughs> yeah. took a while to figure out, you know, hey, how are we going to work together? Because we've never even worked together yeah, before. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, now we're in a really good place. We know um, kind of our, our roles are pretty, pretty defined at the restaurant. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Is there... Um There's, I mean, this is a huge question, but Mm. what were the surprises along the way from being, you know, there's a difference between being a sous chef or on staff Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden being an entrepreneur. Right. Um, And, you know, to that end also, what was it like to, um, yeah, just tell me what what some of the surprises were, things you didn't anticipate. Um, Taxes?
1: Jesus. (laughs) My Lord. You had that uh, on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. Um, You know what? The government takes a big old bite. So yeah. no, um but honestly, yeah, that was the biggest surprise. It's just like, whoa, okay, um, mm. this is real. It, it immediately made me appreciate every single employer I'd ever worked for in my life. Oh, like, yeah. whoa, okay. Like the, the, um, you know, if you're, even if you're the head chef, to a certain degree, if you're an employee, when you leave at the end of the night, you can leave work at work. Right. Um, and when you're the owner, you know, if you're ever not there, it's always kind of in the back of your mind, you know, and, um, and now in this day and age, uh, you know, everybody has a, a, with social media, if things don't go right, you, you could see that. So there's, mm-hmm. there, um other surprises. You know, um, just staffing, I think. I yeah, um, thought maybe. Really like building. A, a, I had a wonderful, I still do. I have a, well, let me say this. I started off with a great team mm-hmm. at the restaurant and in the kitchen. We had some real rock stars back there that are still there to this day. Mm-hmm. And in the front, we started off, you know, great. And so it's kind of like through the years, we've learned like, you know, what kind of person works well as far as staffing and, and training and all that. Um, so it's, it's so nuts. And we started off so busy, which is crazy and fortunate, you know, I remember
0: Um, it was kind of annoying for those of us who wanted to eat there. I know you've heard that before,
1: but it just hasn't changed.
0: It's 5 PM. People are ready to go.
1: It's ready. Yeah. It's so, so back then, I mean, like A lot of restaurants, you start off, there's kind of a buildup, you know, and you kind of configure some things out along the way. Um, But it's like if you're driving your car 100 miles an hour and you're trying to fix it at the same time, you just can't do it. (laughs) And so, like, um, we, you know, we got better along the way. So now, yeah, the restaurant's still incredibly successful and busy. Mm -hmm. We do, however, you know, during the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Um, even Friday, I think, you know, before six o'clock you can get in right away. Yeah. You know, I have, and I have had success with that. Yeah. But, um, on the weekends, yeah, it's still busy, but it's cool. It's the restaurant has exceeded my wildest expectations of, um, how busy it would be. And, you know, um, and that's such a good thing. So that's cool.
0: There's something really cool about, as you're talking, I'm thinking about flatbread mm-hmm. in Los Alamos, how that became a hub there. I used to work at a winery in San Inez and that was the industry spot to hang out for yeah. everybody who worked in wine. And, um, so how that, how a restaurant can invigorate or reinvigorate a place. And, um, I'm also thinking of the range in Santa Margarita, yep. how that brought a different aspect, um, and, and, a community-building aspect mm-hmm. just for there, but also attracting people into the area. Mm-hmm. And um, and I also think about Jensen and the Cass House mm-hmm. and how they did that. But I have to say, I mean, Ember... Um, it wasn't just you there in that cursed building, no longer Mm -hmm. cursed, uh, but Sweet Pea Bakery next Mm -hmm. door and Vert Juice. There was a time, um, I was tasked with writing about this reinvigoration of Rio Grande. And, um, I don't love this term, but the editors did calling it the gourmet ghetto right Mm -hmm. there where you all are, you spur one another to good things. And, um, but it was taking a chance for sure for you. And those are the kinds of places that are the best is when somebody's really risking everything mm-hmm. um yeah and bringing a lot of new life to that spot
1: thank you yeah i think um absolutely that was like a an exciting thing about the opening is that we had other businesses and i think that each one was complementary to the other without like doing what you know and completely different so mm-hmm. the juice bar they're buying their ingredients from local farms, and, and obviously it's made fresh every single day or directly at the moment. And it all—all fa- all the businesses are family-owned and operated, right. which is fantastic. And so what you kind of now have is, like you said, this little hub. And it's like, so in the morning and afternoon, the juice bar and the bakery are doing their thing. And then when they're closing down, we're doing our thing. So now you have a center that's just kind of people are coming and going all day long. And I totally don't mind the gourmet ghetto thing because, like, <laughs> hey, it, gourmet's in there and it's got a little name to it. That's cool. And, yeah. uh, you know, restaurants forever and ever have always kind of popped up in some pretty, like, you know, mm places. Like that, unlikely, unlikely places. places. Yeah. And I think that um you know Chez Panisse is the same way. And yeah, uh, it's kind of like that. you know why? Because people that are open to restaurants don't usually have a whole bunch of money. Even mm-hmm. in Los Angeles now, like the whole arts district and the fashion district, we yeah. go to these restaurants down there when we visit Emma and they're in an old, like what was probably just an abandoned warehouse. Yeah. And then they go in and they make it this restaurant and they take that atmosphere and they make it work. And that's the food's so cool. wonderful. Yeah. And, like the service is great. And, and so it's, I think, you know, when you make it about, and that's what Ember restaurant was, we wanted to make a, a neighborhood restaurant first and foremost, um, that was built solely with the intention of enjoying food and wine together. And, um, And everything else, hey, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not going for any Michelin stars or anything like that. But we (laughs) want to make like just really good tasty food that Mm -hmm. families can come and enjoy. Winemakers can come. That's a cool thing. You still look out in the crowd there and see a bunch of the area winemakers. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you my hokey last question. Um, So what would you eat at the in the final day and who would be there and what would you drink? And would you be cooking? Uh, Probably uh, not, no. I'm guessing.
1: Um, In the final day. <laughs> um, you may as well have a it planned energy. out, Brian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, In the final day. Wow. Let's see. Well, of course, I would want my family there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my beautiful wife, Harmony, and lovely daughter, Emma. And um, you know what? I would... Harmony makes this amazing shepherd's pie, I gotta say. I don't know if that's like the well, right. Harmony does. Harmony did you say? does. Oh yeah. Really? It's like one of the things I absolutely love. I would get that. Maybe a steak too on the side. Nice,
0: <laughs> go for it. Um <laughs>
1: what I would drink with it, I love Syrah. Syrah yeah. is my favorite. And and um so I'd probably have a Syrah from uh who knows, one of a my mini favorite wine. Ma- I'd probably have a few glasses of Syrah. What the hell? Scott, if it's my last seriously, <laughs> have 10
0: if you want. Oh, that sounds like a good meal. <laughs> yeah. Brian, I know your time is limited. I really appreciate you uh, coming.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it as well.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on Consumed. To get the latest in what's going on with the podcast, sign up for the Consumed newsletter at let'sgetconsumed.com or follow me on Instagram at Jamie C. Lewis. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.